Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Tide. I'm Ted Ramey. So happy to be with you as always and so happy to be putting the preseason to bed. Yes, I know it's great to get everybody back out there and get a look at all the new players, but preseason is preseason. I am ready for the regular season to begin, and Wednesday night, it's going to be at us from Vegas. We got a mini preview last night, and what I'm really wondering now is the fallout that's going to happen from Evander Kane getting ejected from the previous game and the contact uh, he made with the official. And listen, I have a multitude of thoughts that I could get into this, but I am going to default back to the ultimate company line for lack of a better terminology for my reaction is that's you can't touch the refs and you got to be a better you have to think about things in a little bit of a different light that way and now this could be impacting the Sharks uh, out of the first couple games out of the gate here I don't know what's going to happen but my general interpretation is that you keep your hands off the officials you don't touch the refs and I understand that you know Vander Kane was upset and he didn't like the way that he was taken down and listen there there's a long discussion to be had about all of this but you know, he potentially put himself in a bad situation and potentially put the Sharks in a bad situation. And, you know, again, guys get angry. They're they're going to be running hot in the midst of a game. We know how much this rivalry between the Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights really means. But I just, you know, it was, it was not something that you were happy to see. I mean, listen, you appreciate the passion anytime it comes out. But at the same time, you've got to be smart. And as you'll hear from my conversation with Jamie Baker and a little bit that we had yesterday before the game, his whole idea was to show a little bit of restraint and, you know, not really get yourself in a bad situation. And I think this would fit under the definition of a bad situation. So obviously we'll see if anything comes out of this, but it's the preseason and it's Vegas, but I guarantee it's hard to tell all these guys that it is just the preseason because these guys, they hate each other. There's a, there's a respect between these two teams. I'm not going to deny that, but when it comes to the way they view each other on the ice, they are going to be, the blood boils, and I don't know if there's a better term for it, but these two teams make each other's blood boil, and listen, the Vegas Golden Knights got the better of the Sharks last night, 5-1, but I'm not going to overreact to that. It is preseason, and they're in their own house, and the last time that, you know, when we get to the regular season, at least, the last game that mattered between these two teams was won by the Sharks in historic and dramatic fashion, and I'm sure that Revenge is on the mind of the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Sharks are also looking to prove that it wasn't a fluke. So there's a lot of things that are going to be happening between now and Wednesday, and we're going to hear uh, the sports talk thing. The wheels will churn. You know, this is what we do. We have to fill the void now between (laughs) the start of the regular season and this morning, and so this is going to be a big topic of discussion, especially considering some of the commentary Kane made over the offseason. So listen, it's something to talk about. 
I hope that he, you know, there's no suspension that stems from this, but I, I fear there could be. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, you know, it's we'll see. But for the time being, the Sharks have to be at full strength because this is still a transitional period of the team. And I, it's not that this team has, you know, suddenly been restructured or reworked, but they don't have Joe Pavelski anymore, and they don't have the same continuity that they had going into last year. There have been changes to this roster. There are new additions. There are new tactics. There are new ideas that are going to be implemented, I'm sure. And it's a little bit different than what we saw last year. And that's why you want to make sure that you have one of your best players in Evander Kane out there. And this is a guy that I was expecting really big things from this year, especially considering all the things he went through last year and the fact that he was not what he wanted to be in the postseason last year. And he has said as much, and he was dealing with obviously so many things on his mind, and I would never hold that against him, but I think that he views it in the vein of he wants to be better for the San Jose Sharks this year. He wants to be the player that he knows he can be. This is a guy who's capable of scoring 30 and or more goals in the NHL, and I think he was looking at and or more this year. I don't think he was looking to just match 30. I think he was looking to go over that, and I think that that's still going to be the case. Uh, but this is now, you know, it's one of the biggest talking points on this Monday morning in the hockey world. So we will see where this goes over the next couple of days. But one thing is certain, that's that these two teams do not like each other. And that was very evident on the ice last night, even though obviously it's a regular season tune-up. It's going to be war when these two teams meet up on Wednesday night. I'm stoked for it. Then, of course, we're going to be back at the tank on Friday night and uh, we get into it. I mean, this is this is where the fun begins. This is where we all, you know, just absolutely love how the hockey world brings us into the season at full tilt. It's not going to be game seven again, but it's going to be two teams that are the fiercest rivalry in the NHL, in my opinion, and I'm ready for it. But uh, we're going to talk to Jamie Baker today. We're going to talk to Doug Wilson today. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about five guys, and I'm basing this off of the fact that they were on the, the roster for the final preseason game and... I'm looking at that in terms of who might be of the new guys will be on this team as we get into the regular season. And listen, there's going to be a lot of change. Obviously, um, when Redeem Simek is back at full health, that'll change things as well. But we're looking at some new guys that we don't really know a lot about. And so I wanted to get into them. And I thought I'd start with Johnny Brzezinski. People talk about him as a power forward. This guy also has a soaring skill set in college. He was very successful at St. Cloud. He appeared in 13 games last year for the LA Kings. He had two goals and an assist. He played for the Ontario Reign previously, had a goal there. Then the Sharks need the help on the right wing, and that's where he is. So you look at what he's capable of. I think that they see something in him, obviously. He's had 156 career AHL games, so he's got experience at that next closest level. He had 56 goals and 52 assists over that point. He was named to the uh, AHL All-Star Game back in 2016. 2017. He's 6'1", 215 pounds. He was originally selected by the Kings in the 2013 NHL draft. And obviously, you know, we've got a pretty decent look at him through the preseason and he can play. And I think that the fact that, you know, when the Sharks look at a guy and they give him that much time on the ice, they do it for a reason. And I think that's why he's continued to be out there consistently for the San Jose Sharks. And I'm looking forward to what we can see out of him. And, you know, obviously this is a guy who's probably going to be on the fourth line and I don't have a problem with that in the slightest. You know, he's got to prove himself because there's other uh, young and up-and-coming talents that the Sharks are looking at, but because he does have that 
more experience. He has more of a resume that they can look to and say it's a relatively known entity. I think the Sharks feel that they can continue to develop his game and get the most out of him, and that's exactly what you want. We know that the Sharks have a lot of money tied up in these high-end players on their roster, um, and so you look to these other valued skill sets, and they look like they can find value in Brodzinski. Another one to watch, defenseman Mario Ferraro. This is a guy they talk about with elite-level ability, especially as a playmaker at the blue line, which is so much what I think the Sharks' identity is turning into, and we'll get into that a little bit more with Jamie Baker, but this guy is 6 feet tall, 195 pounds from King City, Ontario. He was drafted 49th overall by the Sharks, second round of the 2017 NHL entry draft. Um, energy is another thing they talk about with him. And I think if you go look at some of the film that's out there on YouTube, you can see that you look at what he was able to do last year, 14 points, 23 penalty minutes, a plus six rating, 98 shots on goal. This was when 41 games with UMass last year, uh, he was an alternate captain. So he's got that leadership ability. He helped lead UMass to their first ever national championship game. He was also named a hockey East all-star third team. Second on UMass in block shots with 40. Of course, that's such a huge part of the modern NHL game. You know, can you give up your body? Can you get in front of shots? Uh, also, if you look at what he was able to do in his rookie season at the uh, UMass level in college, he had six goals, 31 assists. He was named to the Hockey East All-Rookie Team. You see it's raw at this point, but you do see the capability. You see why he was valued so highly by the San Jose Sharks. And again, they're looking for these different value guys and also to match up with these high-level players. And I think this is a guy who's shown, again, he has that elite-level ability. It's not a completed project at this point, but he has that ability that, again, is trending in the right direction. I think that that's why the Sharks are so excited about him. We are going to continue to talk about some of the new names with the San Jose Sharks, but now it's time for a change of pace. All right, we now have joining us on Morning Tide, Jamie Baker. He is the color commentator for the Sharks television and radio. And, of course, you hear him in interviews, everybody, because everywhere wants a piece of Bakes because he's such a good talker. So I'm getting a piece of him today. Bakes, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I don't know if I'm a good talker, but I'm a lot of talker. Well, but, hey, dude, you've, you're... <laughs> I've heard more of that, that over the years than... But anyway, I'll take it. Thanks, man. You've cracked and, the code uh, to where you can get paid to talk about sports. I mean, you you had it good enough when you were getting paid to play it. I could never get there, but now you get paid to talk about it. So it really, it really doesn't get much better. It doesn't. And all my teachers in, like, middle... In elementary, middle, and high school, they'd be like... He gets paid to talk. He's doing what he should be doing. Because <laughs> I talked a lot in class. Yes. But uh, I'll tell you what, it's it's been a great summer. Um, and I am looking forward to the season. Like people say, are you, are, you know, they'll ask me like in August, are you, are you ready for the season? I'm like, nope, not yet. <laughs> I'm chilling. There's two, like there's summer season and then there's hockey season. And I love both. And there's a bit of transition from one to the other. Yeah. Um, but like, I you know that just working with Randy Hahn and Dan Rizanowski and Brad Hedekin and the TV crew, Sean Madison, you know Madison and his everybody, Scott Emmert, our boss, like working with this team every you know what have they been in the playoffs fourteen or fifteen years? Yeah. And there it's just another year. You look at it and you're like, okay. They got to fill some stuff on the right side, but it's going to be an interesting year. Like there's a lot of really, really, really um, good pieces with this hockey team. 
So and in in the league with the most parity in the world, yeah, the NHL. So it's like, and you're kicking off the season with the first two games home and away, home openers against Vegas. Thank you very much, NHL, for doing that. Right. This is like, let's get this going. Like, here we go. It's hockey season. And the thing is, jumping right into it in those, you know, well, three games with the final preseason yep. game and then at Vegas in San Jose against Vegas. You know, the, the injury concern was immediately brought up by a lot of people. They said, hey, you know, this is these teams do not like each other. This is the most fierce rival in the league right now. I mean, does anybody vocalize that? The fact that it's this is, you know, first two games of the year and these teams are going to go. I mean, I don't expect a, a tick down in intensity. It's going to pick up right where it left off, in my opinion. So you're trying to get, you know, like my my three keys tonight are tie into what you just said. Uh, and I'm doing this the first game I'm doing. I'm doing on the radio you know, nice. with the last exhibition game with Ruzi. Details and habits. So you got to you got to fine tune your own game within the within the system within the concepts of the team, right? But you got to find you know whether it's stop, start, stick position, all all the little details and habits that matter. You want to find this is your last chance to fine tune them. Two pace of execution. You can't replicate playoffs. You can't replicate the regular season until you're there because the game matters. Like tonight's game. After the game is over, it's done. You throw it out of the books. But you want pace of execution because yeah. you're going to need it on Wednesday. And then the last ones don't get hurt. So don't do something stupid. <laughs> and, if, you know, if and, I don't know. Is Ryan Reeves going to run around? And He might. He might try to. So maybe the Sharks have to respond to that. But there's a different way to, you know, you're not, you're not going to intimidate the other team. But you can send a message mm-hmm. by finishing your checks, but also by playing really stingy hockey. Yeah. So you want, you want to leave this exhibition game feeling good about your game and reminding the other team for the Sharks why you won that best of seven series that you trailed at three games to one at one point, and then you won game five, and then you won game six in double overtime, and then, you know, one, one of the most controversial game sevens in NHL history, but also the best hockey game, one of the best, probably the best sporting experience I've ever been to live was that game seven. So we're in Vegas. It's going to be crazy today for the preseason game. Wednesday, it's going to be off the charts. Like the Sharks are hated. So today is a good prep for the venom from the fan base, the energy in the building for what they're about to uh see on Wednesday. You were one of the reasons that the Sharks-Red Wings rivalry was so heated for a while, but that was something that you kind of created and it extended beyond your career. Were you ever a part of a rivalry as intense as this one? I think rivalries can be as intense but different. Mm -hmm. I don't think ours was quite as intense as this. Just with Vegas coming in the league and then, you know, their first year defeating the Sharks um, in the second round of the playoffs and then going to the Stanley Cup finals and then the and then you know last year they made some moves at the trade deadline and they're 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 good like they're yeah they weren't a flash in the pan you don't make the Stanley Cup finals in today's day and age and you're a flash in the pan you know so the sharks knew how how you know how good this team is so you have a a respect for them but you don't like them you don't want to lose two years in a row to the a team that's an expansion team. You know, especially when you got guys, you know, jumbo on your team and stuff like that. So, and then the way the playoffs, that was the best. I, I, I don't, I've never seen a playoff series that good. 
I mean, it was game game one was like a game seven. Mm-hmm. It, like that could have been a Stanley Cup final. That's how good those two teams were. And that's not taking anything away from the Blues or the Boston Bruins. But I'm just telling you, like, by the time the Sharks got to the Blues, they were they were ba- they were banged up, man. They were way more banged up. Oh yeah. So so, you know, like that the 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 quality of play, the execution of those two teams, that could have been a Stanley Cup final. It was in the first round, much like Toronto Boston in the Eastern Conference. So these teams. I think it's the best rivalry in the NHL right now. And the fact that they're starting both games, you know, you put yourself, Ted, put yourself in the player's mindset going into tonight's game. This is a different final preseason game because you know you're playing the same team twice in a row. Yeah. You don't want to start the year going 0-2 against them. You only play them four times. You're going to be fighting for, you know, jockeying for playoff position against this team. And it's so this has a... And, you know, a magnified, amplified feel to this last preseason game and the first two games. It's going to be crazy. And I think it's awesome that the NHL did it. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how both teams react and respond to each other. One of the things you're trying to find your game because you're rusty, but you also got to stay within the, you know, the confines of being disciplined and not running around chasing someone else because you want to get them. It'll be interesting to watch how that does play out. But, you know, one of the things that I'll be looking at is Eric Carlson because he was clearly injured last year. There was a brief stretch in the middle of the year where he was healthy, but the groin was obviously an issue. But I got there to Sharks Ice a couple weeks ago and saw him skating with the guys, and I thought to myself, this is night and day from what we saw in April and May. I mean, just watching him, watching him cut on the ice, watching him move, watching him transport the puck. This was what we saw for that brief period in the middle of the season, and just it was decidedly different than what we saw at, at the end of the playoff run. I, I just, I'm excited for that, Bakes. Well, I, I am too. I know the, I, I think he is. You know, he's the highest paid defenseman in the league, and that's not on the merits of last season. That's on the merits of what he's done over the course of his career. And, and, you know, what to, what they need, Sharks thought they needed to do to keep him there and also what they think he can do. They think he can propel them to a Stanley Cup. And so I'm looking at him, but also Burns, who had four assists in the last game. Yeah. And, and also Vlasic. Those are the three. To me, the team has evolved. Listen, I love Logan Couture up front and, and Hurdle and Meyer, Kane, I love Jumbo as the third-line center. But to me, this team, you got Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic. If those three are great defensively and great offensively and stay healthy, as you're a forward on this team, it's a, it's you're not going to spend as much time in the defensive zone and get your butt to the front of the net in the offensive zone because these guys are going to get you the puck. And it's all three of them. When I said it, it's very intentional. Great defensively. So Carlson and Burns have to play great defensively. We know that Vlasic, that's his bread and butter. Yeah. And they have to be great offensively. We know Carlson and Burns are. Vlasic has to be, he's got to have an uptick on his offensive game. The three of them have to be great at both ends. And if they are, the Sharks will have the best defensive core in the NHL. And because these guys are so good, that's going to free up the offense and could be, you know, one of the reasons, first of all, you're not even talking Stanley Cup. Just make the playoffs. And then it just, just get in. But right now, like, I think I'd rather be the first seed 
and not have to play. You know, you, I don't know if you want to play Vegas again in the first round. Right. Yeah. So, like, if you can be the first seed in the Pacific and play a wild card, I think that gives you a better chance over the long haul because we saw what the fatigue did, and the you know they got they were bad. They were there wasn't they were starting to run out of gas at the end of the end of the Vegas series because it was that's how close fought that series was. So, you know. That's what the regular season allows you to do. One, make the playoffs. Two, put yourself in the best position possible from a home ice standpoint. Now, you and I could talk for quite some length about Joe Pavelski, and we can save that and let other people get into it. But I wanted to talk about one thing that I saw that was very, very exciting to me on the last preseason game. That was Burns finding a new recipient for the tip play, and that was Gambrell. That was a development that as soon as we saw it, we knew why there had been so much talk about those two in practice working on that specific play because the Sharks' power play uh, uses that very clearly to their advantage, and the, with Burns putting it in front of the net, that's a very hard that's very hard to defend. And suddenly if Gambrell's able to replace that to an extent, there is no replacing Pavelski because he was the master at it, but he looked like he was suddenly comfortable with it a lot faster than I think any of us expected it. Yeah, and I mean... You know, the one thing Gambrell's going to have to do is be consistent. You can't have average game, average game, good game in the NHL. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just that, that's not going to work. So, and, and Pete DeBoer kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but it was good to see him tip those pucks home. I think this is a committee. Like, if I'm a forward on this team, get your butt out and practice with Brent Burns and work on your tips. And listen, if it's not Burns, then do someone else. So you're working on that every day. But Burns can – nobody is better. There's no defenseman better in the league at picking the puck off the boards and getting it to exactly where he wants, which could be on net or it could be six feet up to the side of the net because somebody's stick is available. Yeah. He's the best in, he's the best in the NHL at doing it. And if you're a forward, I love seeing Gambrell, but why can't Melker Carlson do that? Why can't Sorensen? Kane, you know, LeBanc can do it. Yeah. And whoever else, Goodrow, if it's, I don't know who else is, uh, you know, going to be in, if, if Brodzinski is going to be in the lineman or Bergman, whoever's in there, including Gambrell, like if you've got an opportunity, if you're on the edge with Brent Burns, you better get open somewhere in the, in front of the net to the side of the net where he can get the puck to you and you have to have the ability to redirect it. And that takes practice, 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 practice. And that's what Pavelski does every day. And that's what these guys have to do. And, if, and I know Gambrell's been doing it, but I want to see other guys doing it too. It shouldn't be one guy replacing Pavelski for the tipping. This should be done by – this is a committee. Nobody's going to be as good at Pavelski. He's got that hand-eye coordination that's off the charts. Yeah. As much as he works on it, it's also a natural gift. It's a gift from God. But you can, by committee, still score a lot of those redirect goals. But you got to pay the price to get open – you have to have hockey sense to time it perfectly to get your stick there. And then you got to have the hand-eye coordination to use your stick at a puck that's coming at about 85 miles an hour. And use the proper part of your stick, whether it's your blade open or closed, the shaft of your stick or the backside of your stick to redirect it into the net. So there's a lot of facets that go into what Pavelski does, and it's going to take a bunch of guys to replace it. Or your face if your stick's not in the right place. Yeah, preferably not, but that works too. <laughs> All right, Bakes, well, I, will, I will let you go because I know that uh, you've got a game to get ready for yourself. Yep. But you too. You always do. a pleasure. Too, so. Yes, and uh, it was great seeing you the other night. And uh, we're about ready to get this started. All right, man? Hey, let's do it. Yeah, thanks, Ted.
Yeah, Jamie Baker, everyone. Always great talking to Bakes. And he and I, in addition to talking hockey, we could do that all day. We could talk music. We could talk philosophy. There is nothing quite like just uh, shooting the breeze with Bakes, which uh, could be a segment in and of itself in the near future. But I wanted to talk about a couple more of the newer players on the Sharks before we get into the interview with Doug Wilson. Leon Bergman, this is another power forward Immediately you look at his play and you see the speed. He's proven himself now at the Swedish junior level, the United States Hockey League, and most recently, and I love saying this, Deutsche Eishockey Hockey Liga in Germany. He was the youngest player to score 20 or more goals in this recent season. So Bergman, who's just over 20 years old, he recorded 29 points with 20 goals and 9 assists. He had 87 penalty minutes and 3 game-winning goals, and that happened over the course of 50 games with the Iserlohn Roosters of the uh, the Deutsche Eishockey Liga. He finished the regular season ranked third on the team and 10th in the league in goals, fourth in penalty minutes, sixth in shots on goal, and tied for second in game-winning goals. So immediately you're looking at a guy that, despite his young age, he's an impactful player. And I know that it doesn't translate number for number to the NHL, but there's certain guys who you look at and see that they impact the game, and they do this with each progressively greater league that they are part of. And I think that's one of the reasons the Sharks look at him and they say, relative to the competition, what is he capable of doing? And at the recent levels that he's played at, he's shown that he's capable of impacting the game. And I think we've seen that to a limited extent so far in the preseason with the San Jose Sharks. So again, you're looking at a guy who is young, who is raw, but the Sharks have done so well with these young European talents. And I think this is why they look at Bergman and say, this is a guy who can slot in on this roster and who they've given extended minutes to in the preseason. And how about the Russian rocket in the making? 5'11", 165, Belovo Russian native. Daniel, you're taken. Let's just go to the mouth of Doug Wilson. I like the terminology he uses when describing the 21-year-old Russian. Daniel is an explosive skater who uses his speed to create and sustain production in the offensive zone. His offensive talents led him to finish in the top three in scoring among players under 22 in the KHL. He has a championship pedigree as a two-time MHL champion and experience with the Russian national team. We're excited for him to join our organization. So going off of Wilson's quote, he has represented Russia several times. The 2018 Under-18 World Junior National Team, he had five points in five games in 2014-2015, and he also represented Russia's U-20 World Junior Squad in 26-2017, earning three points in five games. So anytime you have that high-level international background, that's going to accelerate your overall development because you're playing among the nation's best of the best and you get into that system at a young age. That's going to turn you into a better player automatically. And I think that with that experience combined with the skill set, this is another guy the Sharks look at and say, we can make a player out of him. The skill set here jives with what we're trying to do on the ice and I'm just excited to see more of him in the near future for Team Teal. And lastly, the player we have the most experience with in terms of a known entity in the NHL is Dalton Prout and this guy is a banger. If you need somebody to go out there and be an enforcer or throw down, this is your guy. Um, Intelligent, he can move the puck under pressure, he has a low turnover rate, Um, He holds the blue line very, very well. Uh, Another one of the things they talk about him is his ability to limit net front rebounds. He uses his size. He uses his stick. Um, This is a guy who I think that 
you can look at and see as a conservative defenseman. And that's in contrast to what we see with obviously Burns and Carlson because they will gamble and they will get a little bit more aggressive in terms of the offensive play. But you can look at Dalton to be more conservative. So it creates a nice balance out there uh, for what you're going to see in the Sharks uh, defensive core. Uh, he's got 262 career NHL games. He's played with the Blue Jackets, the Devils, the Flames, seven goals, 31 assists, 314 penalty minutes, 547 hits. Among all members of the 2010 draft class, Prout ranks 12th in block shots, 13th in hits, and he made his NHL debut back in 2012 with Columbus. So yes, this guy, obviously, we have a great deal of experience with him. If you go on HockeyFights.com, he is a highlight real guy. But I like what he brings, especially, like I said, that conservative nature. He's not going to light you on fire with his offense, but he's going to be responsible out there on the ice. And I'm very much excited to see what he brings to the table. But again, as we get ready for the start of the regular season, let us now speak with the mastermind. All right, we now have joining us on Morning Tide, the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. It's Doug Wilson. Doug, what's going on? How are you doing? Looking forward to get the season started. Yes, I have to wonder, does the offseason seem endless for you at times? Like, I would imagine you have a lot more fun when you're doing the game-to-game aspect of things as opposed to the long-term planning process. Well, you're always trying to be several months ahead, but, you know, the exciting times for us, it's training camp when people come back and you can see how rejuvenated and ready they are to go. And then, obviously, come playoff time, and those are the times that... uh, you know, going way back, even when you played, those were exciting times mm-hmm. that never really changed out of your uh, your routine. Does your blood still get up as a former player when it's especially postseason time? It does. You know, I'm still I'm old now and beat up, but it's still <laughs> to whatever <laughs> the blood pumps a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's an exciting time of the year. I'll ask you the same question that I asked Pete and Logan, and I'll preface it by saying you can tell me if I'm being naive, and that is, I believe it's unfair that only one team in the NHL is defined as having a successful season, the team that hoists the cup. Now, from my point of view, you guys made it to the Western Conference Final last year, overcame a lot of injuries, had a tremendous season overall. I view it as a success. Do you agree with that? Am I being naive? How do you look at that viewpoint, and how do you look at last year? Well, you you come in every year with one goal, and that's to win a Stanley Cup. You can have a very good year, and you can say it was uh, the guys left everything on the ice, but Ultimately, one team is a great year, and uh, things have to go your way. Um, you know, it's a marathon come playoff time. You've got to be healthy, a lot of different things. So I'm proud of our group for what they accomplished last mm-hmm. year, but we didn't accomplish everything. And uh, coming back to this season, I think every one of our players would look at it uh, at the same way. And they take a look at the teams that played in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. They both had interesting journeys. They mm-hmm. had uh, transformational moments within both their organizations, St. Louis, and Boston, St. Louis and Boston, that uh, you can learn from and take a look at. Is there any solace in the fact that at least you did get to go up against the eventual champions in the Western Conference Final? I guess so. We don't look at it that way. I, I look at, uh, you know, we had to play two game sevens in the first two rounds, and that drains you a little bit, and it, it makes you susceptible to injuries. But uh, you got to tip your hat to St. Louis. Uh, they were in last place, I think, in January mm-hmm. 3rd. They made some you know, obviously some changes two years ago, but they stuck with their players and look where they ended up. And uh, it's a new season. We have high expectations and look forward to the challenge. So you had to make some tough decisions in the offseason. Obviously, um, we'll start with Pavelski. 
this is a situation that I view as comparable to Patty Marlowe a couple years ago, and I'm sure that's how you viewed it similarly as well. And it's a business, which I think that you know people always fail to see. They kind of get their emotions too much tied into it. But it's hard not to have an emotional attachment to the guy who's got the C on his sweater and is you know the guy that people look to as the leader of the team. And you know you make that decision, but you also have opportunities now for a lot of other players. I know people are looking at particularly Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, Kevin LeBanc. Those are three young players. I don't even know if it's right to view them as up and coming because I think they're relatively established, but. Those are three guys who probably have a lot more pressure on them ostensibly. Um, how do you view their development now, and how much pressure do you think is on them now that there is more of, a, of an offense to, or a gap to make up? Well, first part, and I'm glad you made the comment, we have emotional connection to both those players, Joe Pavelski and, and Patty Marlowe, and make no mistake about it, we appreciate everything they did for this organization. We will honor it at the appropriate time. And the young players have been able to reap the benefit of learning from underneath them. Yeah. Under a cap system, yes, choices have to get made. And, uh, um, you know, I do not in any way, um, uh, you know, look at it. That they both had the opportunity to go get contracts, and at a certain age, uh, you fight. I used to be a president of the Players Association, mm-hmm. so you, you fight and you support guys to have those opportunities and options. But when that does happen, it does create opportunities. And you take a look at Tomas Hurdle. Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, just mm-hmm. to name three of them, have done in the last three years since uh, Patty left to Toronto. And they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, Joe Pavelski, heart and soul of this organization, um, look what he did, look at the standards he set. And the young players will say, um, we will do what he did. We will step up. Uh, they got to witness um, both on and off the ice how he carried himself. But I think they're also looking forward to playing in those positions, playing on the power play, getting more ice time. And I don't think they look at it as stress. They look at it as an opportunity that they're prepared for. Uh, there's also other players coming in that we hope will have the redeemed CMEC impact. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knew about him and <laughs> the impact he had on our team last year. We have a bunch of young players coming in that we feel have been trained by our developmental people, Roy Sommer, Mike Ricci, Brian Marchman, of getting to Bakoff, and they want to come in and compete and make a difference. And competition is a good, healthy thing. Let's talk about Redeem for a second, because this is a guy who's viewed as like a folk hero among Sharks fans, because he came in and had such an impact, and there was the pairing with Eric Carlson, which seems so effective. He goes down to the knee injury, but all indications have been is that was he's been ahead of schedule with that. Is that still the inclination, and how excited are you for him for a full season? Well, huge. I mean, it tells you a lot about our team and the environment. They welcomed him in. I'll never, you know, I won't forget the game in Montreal where he came in and just played the right way. But he was trained. He put... Uh, all the work in to be ready when that opportunity came, and it, it did. It helped change our season. When he went down in that game, uh, it impacted our group. Mm-hmm. He has uh, worked his tail off all summer long. He's back practicing with the group now and should be back in the lineup in the very near future. Um, but he's a great example of guys under the radar that came in and didn't just play but made a difference. Do you look at Kevin LeBanc's deal in the same characterization, or characterization that the media said as a quote-unquote prove-it deal, or is this just him feeling that this was the best opportunity in, in this moment? It is a great example of the Joe Thornton impact. Mm-hmm. Um, a great credit to Kevin LeBanc, understanding that he wouldn't have had the year he would have had last year without playing with Joe Thornton or Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, uh, et cetera, and, and the guys on the power play. He looks at the opportunity he was given, he looked at what Joe has done uh, contractually and for several years to do what's right to help us with the team. But he also looks forward to the challenge. Yeah. He, he's up for it, he, and 
There's no doubt I'm sure that I'll have to pay <laughs> when he performs, but um, uh, he deserves it, and he's been a product of coming in right from day one. He's received tough love sometimes from the coaches, mm-hmm. from, from the staff. It's because we care about him and we know what he's capable of, and, and we think he's going to have a heck of a year this year. Let's go to Eric Carlson. Obviously, that's the big signing of the offseason, the one that was made the splash. You know, it's funny because a lot of people interpreted the tweet he put out at the end of the regular season. People viewed it as his goodbye, and that ended up obviously not being the reality. And, you know, people talk about San Jose, and this was Pierre Lebrun who said this. He said it's the Bermuda Triangle of the NHL. Once people come here, they don't leave. And it's easy to view the weather as being a part of that. But clearly, you're fostering something here that makes guys want to stay beyond what we see with other NHL franchises. Well, I think uh, there's three groups that deserve credit for that. Our ownership group, Mr. Plotner, makes this be a place that uh, players know we're committed to winning. We'll always spend to the cap and give them what they need. Uh, I think the uh, the players, you know, the players, you can't you can't pull a wool over a player's eyes. They know the truth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you have guys that commit here long-term and want to be here. And then the community. Uh, this is a great place to live. High expectations, tremendous uh, support. Players, and this is what's great about hockey players, um, they want to have a family lifestyle where they can go and have a normal life but come into a building where everybody's committed to winning. It's loud. It's it's passionate. Uh, so the players that we acquire and we bring in here are guys that love the game, want to win, and I think they really enjoy being around each other. Um, so the majority of the credit, I'll be honest with you, goes to our, our players. We saw Eric Carlson for that brief window in the middle of the season last year where it looked like he was physically close to his peak, where it looked like he was gelling with everybody on the ice, but that was obviously a relatively short window. Is it wrong to think that's something to be trying to be replicated, or is that just last year's team? You can't try and look for that same atmosphere on the ice. Well, we scored uh, 289 goals last year, which was a record mm-hmm. for our team. There's no doubt that the genesis of offense comes from the back end, and when you have somebody like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson and a you know, a world-class guy like Mark Edward Vlasic, the puck's going to get moved up the ice and, and create those opportunities. Eric Carlson's one of the best players in this league. He's proven that for a long time. Uh, he tried to play through an injury and was probably playing at 50 or 60%. What I love about him is he went and had the procedure to get it all straightened out, came back early, worked his tail off, and he's ready to go. And um, Much like a group of our guys, I think their best hockey's ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they sense that. Um, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of guys, I think, that are just com- coming into their prime that are, are players that put the work in in the summer, that can play a long time at a high level. And uh, there's a great feeling around this group. Joe Thornton is an example to me of a guy who continues to perform at an incredibly high level. I know people you know, talk about his age, but he just looks to me like he's, A, dealt with the injuries without a problem, and he just keeps on going and going and going. Having him back, what does that mean to you? And then now, what do you expect with him Concern he's coming into the season healthy. Well, the first point is that he hasn't had a rehab as he has the last two or three last years. He had a healthy summer. His love for the game, I've never seen anything like it. Um, the day he came to this franchise changed this franchise because true great players make everybody around them better. And you take a look at the history of anybody that's gone and played on his line, they've usually had their best years. And for a great player to accept maybe a lesser role or lesser ice time uh, says everything you want to know about a team first guy. Um, there's not enough words to describe the impact he has on this organization other than it's a privilege to have him part of this organization. For young guys to come in and see what the work he puts in and his passion for the game, you can't teach that. Looking more infrastructure of the team, 
we've seen it in the last couple of years, and we're probably going to see it more this year, just the overall boost having the Barracuda here in San Jose. When you decided to make that move to bring them over from Worcester to be right here um, at, you know, in the building, literally, how much has that changed player development? How much has that changed your ability to communicate with Roy for the entire organization to look at these up-and-coming talents? Huge commitment from our ownership to make this happen. Uh, when you got a guy like Roy that's probably put about 150 players in the NHL, you have Mike Ricci, Brian Marchman, Evgeny Nabokov, uh, Joe Will's done a phenomenal job with that group. The way the game is going, the middle class is kind of going away. Uh, if you're going to pay your high-end guys what you do, you have to have young players coming in underneath, and it is the lifeblood of what we do. Um, I think the uh, the players know that they're not out of sight, out of mind. If they're across the country in Worcester, it's a yeah. six-hour flight. They don't get seen. <laughs> our, our players know that they're going to get the first chance, the first opportunity. We don't bring other players in on PTOs. Uh, they are not given a job. They're given the opportunity. They're seen on a daily basis. And I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of these players, uh, they sign with us because the team is in. The, you know, the minor league team is in the big league city. They know that we're there watching them, and uh, um, actions are that we've promoted them and given them the chances they deserve. And as a last one for you, Ned Coletti joins the franchise. And I was ecstatic when I heard that because he, in my experience with Ned, he is he's a delight. He's a character. He's a brilliant sports mind, and we know, obviously, that he has a big hockey background. People didn't know that as, as much, and they were somewhat surprised. But the guy, you know, his entire life story, everything about the guy, he just beams positivity. And, you know, just if you could walk us through your, um, you know, decision to bring Ned in. Well, I've known Ned for over 35 years, and he started off in hockey. He covered the Philadelphia Flyers when he was in, uh, in Philly. He used to come to our practices in Chicago. He's been to, I think, six or seven, maybe eight World Junior tournaments every year. I've kept in touch with him. Uh, we looked at hiring him uh, probably 10 years ago. Wow. And I know other teams that talked to him also. Um, you like people that can ask questions uh, from a point of view that make you think and, and challenge yourselves. He's, uh, he'll be a great addition. He knows our staff. He loves the game. And his work ethic is off the charts. And uh, we think we're a better organization by having him here. Doug, obviously, I know you've got stuff to do. But thank you for your time. And I'll try and uh, bug you a couple more times throughout the season, all right? Look forward to it. Thank you. Awesome stuff there from the GM, Doug Wilson. Uh, really appreciated him taking some time out of his day and loved the uh, forthright answers that he gave. And I think we should all be very, very excited for the upcoming season, which is now upon us on Wednesday night in Vegas. Yeah, it's about time. We are all ready to get back into it. And I am so very excited. And again, as we start this journey, I couldn't be happier to be part of this with all the rest of the Sharks community and uh, here we go, everybody. It's uh, it's here. The regular season is here. So a big thanks to Jamie Baker, Doug Wilson, and now let's get this show started. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.